Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, New Living Translation, the Bible says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant to the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the, his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Luke chapter 2, verse 4, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from a village, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And lastly, Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting of, with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back to me. Come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasure, treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I want to talk to you on the first part, two-part sermon series entitled Favorites. Can we pray and see what God has for us today? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the people that have came out today to worship you. Thank you for the children who work so very hard and practice so very diligently for their song. God, thank you for this season where we can slow down just for a little bit and remember what's important. And God, help us through the next couple of sermons, next couple of Sundays, to realize we have so much to learn from you. God, would you break us from our mold? Would you break us of our routine? And God, would you show us something new? Help me to say a lot in a little bit of time. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. At the risk of stating the obvious, when it comes to the things in our lives, most of us have our favorites. We have a favorite food, a favorite song, a favorite color, and even have favorite people. And what's interesting is most of us have a favorite Jesus, too. For many on this 22nd of December, we're right in the middle of a season that celebrates our favorite Jesus. We glamorize and sanitize the nativity scene and wrap ourselves up in the concept of a sweet eight-pound, six-ounce, golden diaper, little bundle of baby God. 
There are some major issues with this, and the first and foremost being that what do we do when Jesus moves out of and beyond or no longer fits the mode of our favorite form of him? We suddenly find ourselves living in John chapter 5, 37, where it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. In other words, when God fails to fit the form that we have designed for him, we fail to recognize God's voice and his presence. We cannot put our favorite Jesus in a box because that causes us to miss him as when he, as when he grows up. It seems that, that people, like it's the cute time right now, little baby Jesus in a manger, so cute and so sweet. We sing songs. We may even have ceramics that depict the nativity scene, which nothing wrong with that. But if that's your only view of Jesus, you'll miss what God wants to talk to you about. If that's your only view of Jesus, there's some things in your walk with him as a Christian that you'll never learn. See, scripture is clear. Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So my question is, who's your favorite Jesus? I want us to look at a couple different Jesus, if you will, and realize that each stage, whether our favorite or not, reveals truth to us. So what could we learn from baby Jesus' truth? And although this isn't my favorite Jesus, there are truths that we must learn from Jesus as a baby. Baby Jesus teaches us that salvation could be hard to discern and even harder to accept. We read the, the story about Joseph wanting to come to Mary quietly and break off the engagement, but Joseph didn't discern that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you continue to read it, it sounds like he was just trying to be a good guy and he was taking care of Mary, but he was trying to find a way out. And do you blame him? He waited his whole life for this big day. He kept himself pure. He resisted temptation. And now his bride can't wear white and will have a baby bump during the wedding. And in fact, according to law, Mary should be put to death. Not exactly easy to discern or even accept salvation is coming through this life-altering, embarrassing. Neighbors are going to be talking about you event. See, baby Jesus demands us that we learn that God can use unexpected, uncomfortable, and even unwanted circumstance to produce salvation in your life. Joseph didn't sign up for this, and he tried to find a way out. And some of you didn't sign up for what you've endured and what you're going through, but hang on. Go for the ride. Don't throw away or dismiss the provision that is wrapped up in your problem, persecution, and trial. The baby that's produced may end up being the gift of God. See, we get focused on the pain and the embarrassment, the tears, what other people think, or even our own glorified, unrealistic expectations. And we may very well miss the delivery of salvation. What is God trying to birth through you, what you are presently going through? See, I read about Joseph and I say, how would I act? And I will turn this sermon into something weird because the children are here. But guys, how would you feel? Right before the big day, she said, baby, really quick, right before we make those, uh, those plans to, to the Bahamas, I know you're about to click the, the first class tickets. I just got something to tell you that, uh, by the way, I'm pregnant. So we glamorize it up and like, oh, Joseph, oh, man, he's a great guy. We're just going to go to Bethlehem. There, there's a stable waiting. There's a star. And if you watch some of these, these cartoons, there's some singing camels and sheep and donkey. We'll all have a great time. 
But in the real life story, it wasn't that easy and it wasn't that acceptable. But God does things that make us uncomfortable. And if we don't realize what he's trying to do, we may miss it altogether. You see, what if it isn't an easy delivery? What if carrying this thing out costs or hurts? What if God doesn't change the situation but rather impregnates you with purpose in the situation? What do we do? You may be trying to find a way out of when he's trying to help you find a way in. So don't put something away that he has designed to birth salvation to your life. See, baby Jesus teaches us to discern and to accept and to look for you in the trouble. You have to have a dream that will help you move past what you see now. See, your greatest gifts may be locked in your baggage if you just open them for Jesus. Another thing that baby Jesus teaches us is that ugly is the new beautiful. There wasn't nothing pretty or anything pretty about the welcome baby Jesus received. There was no rooms. He was crowded out, unnoticed, and no mercy. The innkeeper could have made room, but instead, all Jesus received was dusty, smelly, dirty, no sterile, germless baby bed for him. Hey, everywhere, itchy, uncomfortable, ugly delivery room. Baby Jesus shows us the ability of God to turn the ordinary into the supernatural. If he could turn a manger into a motel for majesty, then surely he can take your pain and turn it into promotion. If he can do that, then surely he can take your tears and turn them into triumph. He can take your broken heart and turn it into a breakthrough. However, we miss the lesson if we don't also learn that he doesn't take you out of your ugly. He brings the beautiful to the ugly places. See, this is the second to the last Sunday in 2019. I will ask for a show of hands because we know how church people are. But how many times, how many days this year have you prayed for God to take you out of that ugly situation when he's tried to say ugly is the new beautiful? How many times have you asked God to take you out of the very situation he wants to show up in? How many times have you prayed, God, this is, how, this is not how I dreamt it. Could you imagine Joseph going, God, this is not how I dreamt of my wedding day. I've done everything right, and this is how you thank me. He had no idea that he was going to allow him to see the greatest gift known to mankind, but he was going to do it in the middle of ugly. See, we have it all drawn out and all perfect and all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted and everything perfect in our mind. And when God steps in and does it, do it our way, we get upset and we ask to be delivered from the ugly. But I have news for you. Ugly is the new beautiful because God doesn't take us out of our ugly. He does beautiful things in it. Some of us are convinced that God has forgotten you or worse, doesn't care for you because the ugly continues. I want us to be reminded that our task and mandate from God is to find the beautiful inside the ugly. Because we don't learn this lesson when ugly lasts for extended periods of time, for months, for years, for some, even a lifetime. We will miss the presence and form of God in the mess. Baby Jesus teaches us the detours are often divine. You talk to kids now and their first job doesn't go well and they're brokenhearted and you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s or more, and you're laughing going, that's not. But detours. Most of us are where we are in life, not because we had it planned out since high school, but because detours took us here. I was talking to my nephew just last week and said, I was saying, if I could do everything, if I could have everything I have now, my wife, my, my children, everything now, but do something different, I would but I wouldn't change everything I have now for that one thing. 
Talk to some people, say, you know what, if I knew now about, if I knew in my 20s what I know now about finances, I would have lived my life differently. If I'd have known, and when I was 18 years old, what I know now, I'd have done everything differently. But I wouldn't change the finances if I had to lose everything else. Because the detours in my life, the pain in my life, the heartache and the heartbreak, all that led me to here. Now I have a beautiful wife and three beautiful children. I wouldn't trade it. But detours are divine. Some of you are upset because it didn't play out and you're, you're not working in your major. So what? You think a thousand years from now, anybody's going to care about it? You're not working in what you, you went to college for? There's almost nobody working what they went to college for. Detours. Well, I went over here and this happened and somebody hurt me. And yes, but all of that was divinely orchestrated. And you are where you are now because God has a plan and purpose for your life. I didn't read it to you, but you know the story. The shepherds minding their own business, tending their sheep, doing life as they know to do it. Interrupted by angels, sheep left to tend for themselves an unexpected journey embarked on to find the promised one. The wise men. From afar, interrupted by a star, set on a winding path to find the promised one. Inspected to watch sheep, instead worshiping a king. Inspected to see a normal sky, but instead packing for a long journey to bring gifts to a Messiah. Detours are often divine. Every single story you read in your Bible, that you're reading in this Luke, everybody had their everyday interrupted. No one would say, hey, you know what, the, 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 the Magi or, or the wise men, there weren't three, we don't know how many there were, there were three gifts, we understand it, but they were doing what they always do. They were looking to the heavens when they were interrupted with, hey, this is the one. The shepherds who were there saw the angels. They weren't out there that night looking for angels. They were out there tending sheep. And in God's detour had a divine purpose that all of them were doing life. Please don't have your life so orchestrated and so organized that God has no room to work in it. Let God have the detours. See, the journey of the Magi, Magi teaches us that, yes, God went out of his way to get us. But we are usually required to go out of our way to get him. See, that's the easy part. I saw it in the sky. But they had to pack and go for a long journey. As we're wrapping up this year, has God shown anything to you? Is there anything that God's shown you that caused you to go out of your way? Or are we still in our, our rut? Are we still in what we always do? It's my question. See, finding him isn't always convenient or easy. It may require a detour from where we would like to go. We may not be able to keep going the way that we're going to find him. Our lives may not go down the path that we predicted, but if it gets us to the place where we're kneeling in front of the king, then the path is right. See, maybe baby Jesus is your favorite, favorite Jesus. Maybe it's the teenage Jesus or the bearded Jesus. We'll talk about both of those next Sunday because I, I, I know I, I don't have a whole bunch of time with, with the kids in here. So this is going to be the shorter of the two sermons. But whatever your favorite Jesus is, whatever it is, that's great. But you simply like the version of Jesus because you think he's cute or the story is somehow romantic. You need to revisit the nativity nursery and learn the lessons that baby Jesus teaches us. So my question as I finish here today, I told you I would be long. As you stand with me, my question is, is your version of Jesus that you like the best your version because it's the safest? 
Is the version of Jesus you like the best, the safest, because he can't tell you anything? See, when Pope Julius I authorized December 25th to be celebrated as the birthday of Jesus in AD 353, who would have ever thought that it would come to be what it is today? When Professor Charles Folin lit candles on the first Christmas tree in America in 1832, who would have ever thought that decorations would become as elaborate as they are today? It's a long time since 1832, longer still from 353, longer still from that darkened night brightened by a star in which Jesus the King was born. Yet as we approach December 25th again, it gives us yet another opportunity to pause. In the midst of all that excitement, elaborate decorations, and expensive commercialization which surround Christmas today, we have the opportunity to consider again the event of Christmas and the person whose birth we celebrate. I want this last couple of weeks just to be so meaningful. I, I don't know what they have in Concord Mills that causes thousands of people to turn left to the mall instead of right to our church. I can honestly say I've never been in a church parking lot so crazy as a mall parking lot. Could you imagine what this city, what our country would look like if we actually had the right focus of Christmas? There are people going into debt, buying gifts, hoping and guessing that the people will like what they'll buy. And we're so indebted to Jesus, yet sometimes we forget all about him. So my question are we playing favorites? Which version of Jesus do you like the best? And as we race headlong, December 25th is a couple of days away. Would you take just a few minutes before you leave here today and just ask yourself, as Todd sings, ask yourself, am I making room for God to interrupt my day-to-day? Am I letting God make my ugly beautiful or do I spend my entire time trying to get away from it? As Todd sings, and before you go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday, would you take just a few minutes and would you just ask God, God, have I given you enough room to do something new in my life? And if not, today, I start. What do you say, C3?